My name's Matt, Matt Howe, one of the pastors here at Anderson Hills. And um, so we're here today, uh, last Sunday in January. So man, already almost one twelfth of the way into this new year, right? And uh, we've been in this series since the turn of the calendar called Exponential. And so today we wrap up that series as we get ready to launch into Kill the Spider uh, next week, which I know maybe sounds a little eerie, like Kill the Spider, what is that? Um, But I think it's going to be a very powerful uh, sermon series as well as the class that we're offering. So would encourage you to continue um, attending as, as, as regularly as possible. Um, I know that there were some studies at the end of last year that showed that the average worshiper, I think, at Anderson Hills was like 1.7 Sundays a month or something like that, or, or that was, you know, certainly there, there was that out there. And so, man, it's going to be hard for you. Like, if you're here one point, I don't even know what point seven of a seven, I guess you stay for a seventh or seven-tenths of a service. I don't know. So anyway, come, right? Be at church because there's good things happening here. Um, so if you were here for the first Sunday of the year, you got to hear Pastor Mark share his uh, State of the Church, which is where he kind of laid out the goals and the vision uh, for the year 2019 and and where we were heading uh, as a congregation. And then two Sundays ago, uh, we talked about how life doesn't always turn out the way we expect it to. And man, if there was never a better reminder of that than this week for me. But uh, we started out kind of thinking big. We, we expect these big results. We expect big things. And then when things don't go as expected, we kind of we pull back. We downsize our dreams. We settle for less. And we often take this same approach in our faith life. And we talked about that, how, you know, we see this big God and, and this almighty God who does miraculous things in our life and brings us into relationship with him. But then the second things don't look exactly like what we expected. We kind of pull back that as well. We uh, read from Luke chapter 18, verse 27, where Jesus said, hey, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And we talked about how God is able. In fact, God is more than able. God can surpass our dreams. God can surpass our expectations. And often he does just that because God is always working. But you see, some of us fail to see God at work in our lives. We miss it. Others of us refuse to see God at work in our lives. We kind of stand back and we fold our arms and maybe we grunt a little bit in disgust. Some of us would rather just think that, you know, all of life is just a matter of chance. It's random. It's a matter of being in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time. And so last week, in spite of the snow, Pastor Mark, who's a better man than I am, made his way in and uh, via live stream, he shared why this is simply not the case. God is at work in our lives, in our midst. Um, John Wesley said it this way, and I'm going to get brownie points from Mark for sharing a John Wesley quote. But uh, John Wesley said it this way. He said, nothing is so small or insignificant in the sight of men as not to be an object of the care and providence of God, before whom nothing is small that concerns the happiness of any one of his creatures. God cares about the most intimate details of our lives. And so today, in the fourth and final week of this series, I want to talk about what God can do when people invest in irrational love and generosity. See, God has a different economy than we do. His ways are higher than ours. When we're generous with our time, with our talents, with our resources, God is able to use those things to affect more people than we could ever imagine. And that kind of ties in with what I've already said this morning. People are never a distraction. 
I mean, in ministry, sometimes we even have to remember that because, you know, we get stuck in our little cubicle land here at Anderson Hills, working behind our computers, planning out the next big event or the next great program. And somebody all of a sudden calls in or, or, or stops by to see us. And it's kind of like, oh, man, I'm, I'm so backed up. I got this to do and I got that to do. And just remembering that wow, this is, people are not a distraction, right? People are the ministry. And even the most introverted person here, listen, I know some of you are introverted. I don't understand your struggle fully, but I get it, right? Like, like you, you want to tend to pull back and kind of be, you know, you need your time alone or you need your time in smaller groups, and I get that. But listen, don't use that as a crutch, right? Because God is still putting, placing people into your life as well. I mean, all of us, we've all got these people who've been placed into our lives. It's not an accident, right? God brings us across the paths of people to make investments in them. So God uses us to affect people in greater ways than we could even imagine. So we need to have a thy mentality. Now notice I didn't say a thigh mentality. It's a thy mentality, okay? I, thigh, I don't want anybody thinking about chicken or something while, we're, while I'm up here preaching. So it's a thy mentality. And I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the difference between a thy mentality and a my mentality, which is what most of us carry on a day-to-day basis, including myself. But our goal in this series was to get you and I and us moving toward living this exponential life for God, living exponentially for him. It's high time that we get the focus off of ourselves and onto the people around us, the people that we do life with, the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, the people that are in our community, the people who are in our neighborhood where we live. We want Anderson Hills to dwell in the kingdom of multiplication. We want you to start using your time and your talents and your resources as a means to spreading the gospel, the good news. We want to invest in kingdom living. In his letter to the church at Colossae, the apostle Paul writes these words. This is Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart onto things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So in chapter three of Colossians, Paul explains true Christian behavior, putting on the new self by accepting Christ and regarding the earthly nature as dead. And I love the way that Paul begins this string of thought here in verse one. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Since you know that you've been given the greatest gift of all time, since you have been saved from yourself, saved from sin, and saved from death. I mean, it's like Paul saying, I'm just saying, since you know you've been raised with Christ, kind of a big deal, right? Live this way. I want to read to you the message transliteration of these two verses. It says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. And I love this next part. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Rather, look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Paul is like, okay, church, stop focusing on 
yourselves. Stop making it all about you. Woo, 16 years of ministry, 38 years in the church. And I can't tell you the number of times that I have been in conversation with God-fearing Christian men and women who were in the, living in the entrapment of it's all about me. I dwell there more often than I would like to admit. But Paul's like, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter six. He's like, you know what? Stop worrying about what you're gonna wear. Stop worrying about what you're gonna eat. Stop worrying about your treasures. Stop worrying about tomorrow. And then in verse 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Stop shuffling your feet, looking only to yourself. We have been raised with Christ Christ lives in us. And it's high time that we set our minds and our hearts on him, on his kingdom, on his purpose. It's time for us to, listen to this, put heaven's priorities into our daily practice. What would life look like if we did that? What if we put heaven's priorities into our daily practice? Jesus taught us through many of his parables, especially one that you may remember. It's called the parable of the talents. He taught us what we could expect in the future and what that requires of us now. So I need some volunteers. I need four volunteers. The hands are flying up. All right, I got one back here. Come on, another one right there. And then I need two guys. I'm sorry, ladies. All, it's all ladies raising their hands. Come on, boys. All right, I got two right here. Come on. Come on up here. I got to be honest, I'm a little nervous letting these two guys come up. All right, let's just, let's just figure this out. All right, so you're going to play the part of the master, okay? Is that okay with you? Are you comfortable as the master? You're sure. Have you been a master before? You'd like to think so. <laughs> Maybe. All right. You're going to be, you look like a Mr. Five. All right, so there you go, Mr. Five. And uh, you're going to be Miss Three, okay? And <laughs> you're going to be Mr. One, okay? Now stand so that everyone can see you, okay? All right, now what we're going to do is I'm just going to read this passage, okay? And you're going to play the part of Miss Three, and you're going to play the part of Mr. Five, Mr. One, and the Master, okay? It's total improv. I have no instructions for you, but as I'm reading, you act it out. I'll go slow. Yes? All right. Here we go. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, or in this case, a woman, who called her servants and entrusted her wealth to them. To one, she gave five bags of gold. You might know him as Mr. Five. To another, two bags. Miss I have failed the story miserably. <laughs> to another, three bags. We're going to improvise. Jesus is cool with this. Me and him are buddies. All right. And to another, one bag, each according to their ability. Then the master went on a journey. No, you like leave. Okay, all right, perfect. 
Uh, That's right, you get to do what you want to do. The one who had received five bags of gold went at once and put their money to work and gained five bags more. Nice job. So also the one with three bags of gold gained three more. Perfect. But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and there they put their master's money. (laughs) He's been waiting for this opportunity for quite some time. (laughs) After a long time, the master of those servants returned. (laughs) Must have been a good vacation. And settled accounts with them. The one who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, they said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Perfect. The one with three bags of gold also came. Master, they said, you entrusted me with three bags of gold. See, I have gained three more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the one who had received one bag of gold came. Master, they said, I knew that you were a hard hard person, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. I went out. I hid your gold in the ground. So here is what belongs to you. And the master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from this servant and give it to the one who has 10 bags. (laughs) For whatever has been given to those who have more, they will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Give them a round of applause. You know what? You can keep that. Yeah, yeah. Just don't be distracting with it while I'm finishing up my message, right? So the master divides his wealth among his servants. He gives each to one, or each one according to their, the Bible says, ability. Now, why would Jesus say this? Well, he wanted his listeners to understand that the servants in this story were without excuse. The master did not put any more on them than what they were able to handle. And so to not act, to not invest, was to be lazy. And more than that, it was to be dishonoring. It was to be disrespectful of the master. So what do we glean from this story? Well, God has entrusted each of us with wealth. But this parable is about way more than just wealth. God has given us time. God has given us talents. God has given us resources. What I want us to understand is that how we use that which God has given us and how we live our life exponentially impacts our time here. Exponentially. 
I guess you could say that there, again, are two ways in which we can live our life. I introduced them to you earlier. One is with a my mentality. One is with a thy mentality. And so what is the difference between the two? Well, I'm going to tell you, but but I'm also going to say this. The mentality with which we choose to live not only affects us, it deeply affects those around us as well. And so the first is this, a my mentality. So you might call this person like an earthly spender. A person with a my mentality sees only him or herself and that which affects him or herself. It's my time. Those are my talents. Those are my resources, my possessions. And this mentality bleeds over into our faith life as well. Because all of a sudden, our resurrection story or or the resurrection story becomes our resurrection story. But it's ours and ours alone. It's my faith. You see, Jesus is my savior. If I had a little white box to put my Jesus in. Did you always sing that as a kid? That is the most screwed up song in the world. (laughs) I'd take him out and hug his neck and share him with a friend. That's the song. But maybe in the song we get stuck because we're putting Jesus in a box and we're failing to bring him out and share him with a friend, right? That's the my mentality. This mentality, did you like my little hip shake on that? That was nice. This mentality infects our faith life. It's my story. It's my faith. Jesus is my savior. Life is lived according to what I think, what I dream, what I envision, what I decide. It's my will be done. My will be done. As you can imagine, this way of doing things has a very temporal focus, a very temporal perspective. We're focused on the here and the now. We're the ones with our eyes on the ground, absorbed in the things that are right in front of us. And when this is our frame of mind, we hold everything back. We hoard it. We bury our bag of gold in the ground, concerned only with ourselves and our well-being. That's a my mentality. How many of you have been guilty of walking around with a my mentality? Let's be honest. Probably everybody in the room at one time or another. But there's this other mentality that, that that we're strongly encouraged that we're taught that we're that we're motivated to live in and it's a thy mentality and this is the mentality of a heavenly investor this is the servant with the five bags or the two or three bags (laughs) a person with a thy mentality sees how everything affects everyone else have you ever tried to live that way like man how do my decisions today affect not me but the people around me oof And particularly, how does it affect the kingdom of God? Time, talents, resources, possessions are gifts given to us by a good God. And what if this mentality was to bleed over into our faith life as well so that our story of transformation, my personal faith story, I I can't wait to share it with anyone and everyone who will listen because Jesus is not my savior, he's the savior, the savior of the world. Life is lived according to what God wants, what God wills. It's thy will be done. As you can imagine, this way of doing things has an eternal focus, an eternal perspective. We're focused on a much bigger picture than that which we can see right in front of us. We are the ones with our eyes on heaven, obsessed with bringing honor and glory to his great name. When this is our frame of mind, we hold nothing back, nothing back. Nothing is off limits. We act, we invest, 
We want to reap two times, three times, four times the harvest. And not for our glory, but for the glory of the master. So it's time for us to allow Christ to shape us into what he wants us to be. It's time for us to allow Christ to give us that thy mentality. We often use the saying, hindsight is 2020. What does that mean? It means that it's easy to know the right thing to do after something has happened. But it is much more difficult, I think we would all agree, to do what is right in the present. And it is particularly difficult to do what is right for the future. But one thing that will help us in making God-honoring decisions is to know and to put into practice the Word of God, the truth of Scripture. When we know the Word of God, the future becomes as clear as the past. Many times Christians base their moral judgments on opinion or personal likes and dislikes or cultural biases rather than on the word of God. I've been guilty of that. Many of you have probably been guilty of that. But when we do this, we show that our faith is weak or that we really don't believe that God is powerful enough to guide his children. He is. You see, the Bible says that each of us will give an account for our lives, just like the servants in our story, just like the servants in the parable. We will be held accountable for what we have done with our time, with our talents, and with our resources. The master is, in fact, going to return. Don't take my word for it. It's in here. And when we stand before God and give a personal account of our life, something tells me that we're not going to be worried about what our neighbor has done. We're not going to be worried about what culture says is right or wrong. Listen to what Paul writes in Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. John writes something similar in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. So church, what have you done? What are you doing? If, if I was to just give you a few seconds this morning to kind of examine yourself, examine your life, examine your relationships, examine your daily activity, what would you come up with? What are you doing with that which God has entrusted you with? How are you living your life? What is your perspective? Do you have a my mentality or do you have a thy mentality? I'd like to challenge all of us this morning to live with an eternal rather than a temporal perspective. I'd like to challenge all of us to be kingdom investors. Because boy, if we do that, we will change this world exponentially. Exponentially. Let us pray. God, thank you that you have given us in abundance. You have poured out your blessings on us. Ooh, what a powerful image that is. God, that you have poured out your gifts that you have poured out an abundance of time, an abundance of talents, and an abundance of resources on the people who are gathered here this morning. 
God, even the poorest man or woman here this morning is rich because of who you are. And so God, teach us what it looks like to be eternal investors. God, teach us what it is to to walk this earth with our head held high towards heaven, our focus on you. God, may we get out of of this self-absorbed mentality where we're only concerned with what affects us, with how things affect us. And God, may we begin to live for the glory and the honor and the praise of Almighty God. Father, remind us that every opportunity we have with another person, every conversation, every interaction is a chance for us to share the love of Jesus Christ. God, give us a kingdom heart. Give us a thy mentality. It's in the blessed name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen.